We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will Weir returning from vacation. How you doing? How you living? Joining me today as they do each and every time we have the Holy Trinity, the three-man weave is in the building. Joining me first and foremost, we have my best friend, co-host, and the coach of the podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. What's going on, man? What's good, bro? Happy to have you back. Fresh off of the viscous Puerto Rican seas, Will Weir makes his return. <laughs> viscous, vicious. Sometimes those words when you're uh, doing some day drinking, they run together, and, and spell check is, is not really going to be your friend when it comes to that. But a guy that is my friend, more than my friend, he's my podcasting cousin from across the pond. He's the leader of the Taylor gang. It's the one and only Adam Taylor. What's going on, everybody? How's, how you doing, man? I missed you. Did, did you enjoy my my impression? So I wanted to talk about it because I think I think you guys did a great job. I, I honestly, uh, number one, I was flattered by some of the comments that that you that you guys had. Uh, number two, Adam, I I thought you you slipped right back into that hosting slipper very seamlessly. I thought that it worked until, as you guys pointed out, you got caught up on the on trying to mimic my intro the best friend co-host and you're like wait a minute can i call greg my best friend where do i go from here other than that i really thought that it was it was smooth sailing and i really enjoyed that throughout the podcast adam you kind of took the lead on the intro and then greg you took over with the transitions <laughs> so I, I i really felt like this was you know when we talk about needing to step up as a team both of you filled in in different areas i thought it was i thought it was fantastic i thoroughly enjoyed listening to you too rebounding by committee baby <laughs> gang rebound yeah it's funny like thinking back on when we first started potting with adam when like we didn't quite have it figured out like how to transition out of topics and all of a sudden we're like 10 to 15 minutes deep into a topic and we're like what are we even saying anymore like having no know, knowing when to figure uh when to jump in with the transitions versus when adam is going to naturally transition i think that's something that's a learned skill you know when you podcast together for over two years now uh you just figure that out and you know we we, as Adam said, we rebounded by committee, um, and I, I, it's tough to fill your shoes, but we did it. 
Well, I appreciate you guys stepping up. And, and let me ask, was this a pre-planned or, or, or was the game plan in place when you guys started recording? As, all right, Adam, you're going to you're going to intro this and then Greg, you're going to take over doing this. Or did it all just happen? It just happened in the moment and it and it and it flowed the way it did. Yeah, Adam, Ad, I asked Adam to do the intro, but after that, it just happened. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes that's better though, right? If you don't know who's technically hosting it, it kind of just flows better. So it was kind of just like, yo, let me let me try and get the intro down. And then I stumbled. And then I think Greg kind of grew in confidence. Like, well, we've got the fuck up out of the way already. So we, <laughs> can, go, we can go from here. It's like you got to almost miss that first shot, right? It's like we're not gonna we're not gonna shoot, you know, a hundred percent from the field tonight. Somebody's got to miss that first shot, and then we can all play loose because we know, you know, we know it's just gonna it's gonna be what it is. But you guys did an awesome job. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to your takes as I was walking around Puerto Rico, walking on the beach. You know, it felt like I had my friends with me at the beach listening to you guys in my earbuds as uh, as I drank my coffee. And I and I do have to say, there was a certain point there, Greg where you enable transition mode, Greg, that I, I nearly spit out my coffee. <laughs> speaking of breaks, speaking of transitions, and it was it was honestly almost too perfect because it felt like, so, so my girlfriend Lorena does this to me sometimes, where it was so perfect, it almost felt like, not hurtful, but it was like, ah, oh, god damn, that is what I do. You know what I mean? Because like she'll sometimes just be like, "Oh, you're recording a podcast today? What up? What up? What up?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, we have to cancel the show." This is what I sound like. I I can't put this out in the public. This is embarrassing. But your impression of my transition was so spot on. I nearly spit out my coffee. Hey, that's what I do, man. You're my best friend of 32 years. We met each other when we were two years old. We're you're are you 34 yet? You're not 34. No, you're not, still not 33. quite. Yet. Yeah, yeah. So you're we, in your bird year, not in your truth my bird year. year. Yeah, truth truth year coming up in. Oh um, wait a minute! I know, I know, we have a whole plan for this podcast, but can I derail this podcast real quick? Can we talk about Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce in the live stream? <laughs> Did I miss this? You missed this, Adam? Oh my god! I must have. I thought I. I thought you just either would have seen it but well, I'll send you the clip but just kind of the quick summary was this was you remember if it was game it, it wasn't the clincher I don't know if it was game three or game four I think Greg. it was game three game three he and KG so you've seen the clips of, of KG and Paul Pierce doing I forget it's, yeah. it's KG's show but really Paul Pierce is there it's, it's he's like the Andy Richter to his Conan O'Brien he's just he's just on the set the entire time he's there and um so they did a live stream somewhere I believe in Vegas at one of the sports books and um Let's just say Paul didn't really treat this as a work event. Didn't treat it as a work event. Didn't know what a live stream was, despite yeah. the fact that he goes live on Instagram all the time. And he like the other he's well, he's as we learned, he has some issues with that as well. <laughs> <laughs> he's hammered. He's hammered drunk throughout the the entire uh, recording. And the, Kevin Garnett's like, "Yo, we're working. We're we're working right now. Like this is a live stream. It's happening right now." And Paul Pierce just like completely ignoring him maybe four or five times then after about 90 seconds of him spewing some nonsense he just goes oh like we're we're on right now and kg's like yes bro like <laughs> this is it this is the event this is what we're doing like paul pierce literally removes because he has his sunglasses on inside whatever casino they're in he removes his sunglasses and number one you can see the bags are like six inch drop from his from his eyeballs and he's like you see his eyes go bug and he's just like oh this is live and to give you the idea of of mostly what paul pierce is talking about adam uh he 
hired a girlfriend for the uh, for the event for some reason um, and decided to have her sit next to him and KG throughout the live stream. And Paul was was very proud of his rental and um, and wanted to share with Kevin that, hey, did you know this is a thing that you can do on the internet? And proceeded to explain how, I think if you catch the gist of what I'm going to, how this process works. And that was a large portion, some would say too large of a portion of the live stream. He's just going, hey, hey, there's a website. You can hire a girlfriend <laughs> off this website. She right here. She right here. This is a girlfriend I hired off the website. KG's like, bro, stop it. Stop it. And Paul Pierce's like, I thought I was working with Ticket. I'm talking to Kevin right now. <laughs> Who's this Kevin? I want to talk to Ticket. Oh, and Ticket I need to do this. Bro, it's oh. one of the funniest, one of the funniest clips I've ever seen in my and, life. And, and you know how we're talking about like the how, how Greg did the impersonation of my of my transition. The I think one of the underrated parts about it is number one, Cagey's the voice of reason somehow in this. And number two, he tries so hard. And so futilely to switch the conversation back to basketball that at one point he starts talking about Gabe Vincent, I believe. And Paul yeah. is like, man, Gabe Vincent it, it ain't even on the court. And KG's like, he literally has the basketball. He's the <laughs> one who is dribbling the basketball. Pierce like, where, where is he? Where is he? He's like, P, he got the ball. He got the ball. He's the guy with the ball, P. Pierce <laughs> just doesn't see it the entire time. It's phenomenal. It's great. I'm gonna like to the point where I want to pause this podcast to go and watch it right now. But it's, uh, it's literally the first thing I'm doing when we stop recording. How I've missed that. To be fair, I boycotted the finals because I wanted to watch it as one long series. So maybe I'll come across it then. It, yeah, it, it might have got lost in the shuffle, but it is a plus phenomenal. I know at one point we we thought about doing, or I was trying to do a uh, you know some type of of truth speaks segment or whatever. Truth this would have yeah. yeah, this would have been a plus content for it. So Paul, please keep giving us more material so we can bring that segment back to life. Uh, just just a plus work all around from the KG Paul Pierce theatrics on the live stream. So Adam, that's your homework to look that up when we when we get. I'm already loading it up right now. <laughs> uh, but for today, let's let's talk about a little bit of actual trade rumor. It's silly season, right? We're, we're already silly. Where's the silly podcast? We've we've already talked about how we like to get silly. I'm just coming back from the beach. I'm a little sun drunk still. You know, got off the <laughs> flight last night. Just drinking for three or four straight days. So. Uh, you know, part of silly season is there's a lot of rumors out there, and the most recent rumor slash report that may affect the Boston Celtics comes in the form of an old rumor that we've heard many times before. Now, this one isn't necessarily directed right at the Celtics, but it's a name that we've heard linked to the Celtics before. It's Jason Tatum's mentor, best friend, Bradley Beal, working on a deal with the Wizards to potentially get moved. A lot of complications. He does hold the only no-trade clause in the NBA, and he does have that lofty Supermax contract that comes around with, with the acquisition of Brad Beal. So let's start here, Greg. You know, Brad Beal looks like he's on the market. He's going to have a say in where he goes and – to a degree, that probably actually helps whoever his potential suitor is because they're going to be dealing from a point of leverage. Well, if you don't move him here, maybe he's not going anywhere. Now you're just kind of stuck with him on the books. So let's let's put to the side what it would cost to get Brad Beal. Are you currently 
in on Brad Beal with the Celtics? And have you ever been? Because I actually don't remember what the stand. I think I know what it is, but I'll let you speak for yourself. Well, thank you for letting me speak for myself. I appreciate that. That's what I do. <laughs> um, yeah, with Brad Beal. I, sorry, Danielle just walked in the room. Um, yeah, with Brad Beal, I am uh, out what, 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 what's, what's Danielle's thoughts on Brad Beal? What's your thoughts on, on Brad Beal? She says he's got a silly name. Hey, she, here, Billy. she fit the theme. It's a silly podcast. Silly <laughs> it is. Yeah, the dogs were in the studio, and it's about to be dinner time. So Blaze, sorry, he came up on my left. He's whining at me. Billy's over here <laughs> being weird. Um, and then Danielle opens the door, and she just stares at me. And I'm like, what are, like, what are we doing here? He's <laughs> like, yeah, recording. Uh, but anyways, Brad Beal. Uh, ne I've never been in on Brad Beal for Jalen Brown, right? So if that's the workings of this deal, that makes no sense. You're trading in a newer model for the older model. The only reason you might do that is because Tatum might want to play with Beal over Brown. But we had this discussion two years ago. It does. If it didn't make sense then, it's not going to make sense now. The Celtics are not going to trade Jalen Brown for Brad Beal. If there was a way in which the Celtics could figure out to put contracts together and get Brad Beal and figure out for two years they're going to have Tatum, Brown, and Beal and just figure it out later. Like they can always trade Bradley Beal two years into his contract with the Celtics. They can always trade Jalen Brown after his extension. They could figure out a, a way to make that work. I personally would not be in on that, but we do have the contracts to make that happen, right? So um, I would be intrigued to see if the Celtics did go that route, put together some contracts to get Brad Beal on the squad. It would be probably be like Smart, Brogdon, and Horford's contracts or something like that. Probably gets the money done. Um, and then you're you're building around the Jays, Brad Beal, Rob Williams, I don't know, Peyton Pritchard, Derek White. And um, yeah, but I, I'd probably be out on that. Adam, what are your thoughts? I'm all the way out on it. Like I'm lower on JB than most, which I think is quite obvious at this point. Um, but I still, I'm still higher on JB than what I am on Brad Beal in terms of fit, especially. I think JB's not been an ex a great defender the last few years, but he's still a better defender than what Bradley Beal is. I understand Brad's going to be better on ball; he's going to be able to create a little bit more. But I just don't see the upside there. I also think that one of the things that a lot of people are getting confused is they think it's two years until the new CBA kicks in when really it's next summer. It's two years till it affects Boston because that's when Tatum Supermax kicks in. You bring in bad bit Brad Beal along with Tatum and Brian. Well, now everything is sh what everything's shortened by a year. So now you, the, the shit hits the wall next summer rather than the summer after. And then I like how you put it, you know, you're trading in the newer model for the older model. And you're also trading Jaden Brown. The primary reason you're going to move him is because of a contract situation, and you're bringing someone back in that's already deep into that contract. It just makes no sense to me from any standpoint whatsoever, other than a, hey, Jason, we're going to give you your best friend, and now you're going to go win and win MVP because you're the most happiest man on the planet because you're playing with your best friend. And there's a world where that could possibly work for six to seven games before that shine kind of wears off and they realize that there's no defense defense uh no i'm i'm comp i'm all the way out man all the way out well where are you at with it three for three there's there's literally i have zero appetite for anything to do with bradley beal for all the reasons that that you guys talked about and except for that one caveat adam of Jason Tatum of, of appeasing Jason Tatum. If Jason Tatum comes and says, I want Brad Beal, and that's what it's gonna take for me to sign, you know, my next super max extension and for me to be happy, then then yeah, sure, you you go with it. But I, I think, you know, obviously if you're trading Jalen Brown, 
out. And I actually think for the Wizards, it wouldn't make sense for them to necessarily trade for for Jalen Brown because I think, and we'll talk about this in a second here, because the one thing I, I didn't necessarily agree with on the last podcast is is I just am not super concerned about giving Jalen Brown the Supermax and, and doing so and then kind of figuring it out down the line, which we can talk about. But I think part of that is because you have the built-in safety net of Jason Tatum, who is a bona fide top five, six, seven eight guy if you put Jalen Brown on the Wizards the Wizards are literally just back in the same place of having a guy as your number one that shouldn't be your number one he's younger but then he's also in you know an unrestricted free agent to be and I don't think Jalen Brown's gonna look around and go hmm KP and you know whatever 120 to 150 million dollar deal he might get they re-sign Kuzma like is this where I want to be if I have the choice to go wherever I want now that I'm out of Boston like I don't think Jalen Brown's gonna look at that as appealing so I don't even think this deal really makes sense for for the Wizards with Jalen Brown and then if you find a way to as Greg talked about pull this trade off without trailing without trading Jalen Brown number one the, the finances of it are just a absolute disaster and then i think when you look at building around the three of those we've talked about this before when this name has come up it's a high floor but i don't think it's a very high ceiling like i think you you're gonna be you're gonna you're not gonna be bad as long as those three guys are healthy but you're gonna number one struggle to put anybody around them and i think because of that you look at the way the three of them would potentially fit together and it's it's a little clunky it doesn't feel you know there's not a true playmaker out of them right that really connects them together they're all going to be you know wing type players i i just don't see the fit other than you know like we said if jason tatum demands it so i i think with all three of us being out there's not necessarily you know a, a ton of of you know discussion for us on that but greg it looks like you do have Something that you wanted to add in? No, I mean, what I wanted to do, I had this like really good transition and I was failing my transition game um, because we do need to take a break right now. And you were talking about, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Uh, You were talking about whether or not we have an appetite, right, for Brad Beal. And speaking of appetites, after this break, we're going to discuss whether the Celtics are hungry for a little beef stew. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> All right, Greg. Well, with that unbelievably tasty tease that you just left us with, uh, you know, I mean, I feel like, you know, I'm still I'm still transitioning off vacation mode, but you're you're in a zone right now. So transition us, please, to our next topic. Well, I'm, I'm going to kick this to Adam because Adam is the the most uh, insider of the three of us. Um, there have been rumors that the Celtics are uh, interested in uh, Isaiah Stewart, right? It's Isaiah. I think that that's his first name. Uh, Beef Stew, as he's affectionately called in Detroit. Uh, if you're not a huge basketball fan, he's the guy that tried to kill LeBron a couple of years ago when, <laughs> when, when LeBron elbowed him in the face. Um, he's a really, really solid big man, about 6'9", 6'10", great rebounder, can shoot the three a little bit, has been trying to extend that range out. But if you're talking about toughness and you know how the Celtics lacked that toughness, if we added Isaiah Stewart to this team, there is no way that you could say the Celtics weren't tough enough because that man is one of the toughest, baddest dudes in the league. So Adam, I want to kind of kick it to you. Give me your initial thoughts on these rumors with Isaiah Stewart. What do you what would have to go out? Um, how likely do you think it is? Yeah, so I haven't looked at the numbers. In fact, I'll do it on the fly. I think that this one is a non-starter from Detroit side. I don't think that Detroit already would be willing to give up Beef Stew just simply because he's such a big part of like what they're trying to do culture-wise, what they're trying to do with having a rim running powerful kind of big man that kind of, that's a bit of an enforcer to protect some of the other guys. You know, you've got Kate Cunningham there, you've got Killian Hayes, these none of these dudes project to be like super stocky, get in your face type players. They're very skill-based players. So you need someone like Isaiah Stewart that's gonna really get up in your face, play that Marcus Morris role and Markeith Morris role, both of those guys. So I don't think it's going to happen. I think if it, but I think if you wanted it to happen, there's a world where it could be like a. Let me have a look what he's on. Right, so he's on. He's only on about what five million next season. Yeah. Then he's a restricted free agent. So you could realistically do it for like a Peyton Pritchard plus draft assets and be done with it, right? Like it's not going to cost you much in terms of player personnel or pick personnel. But I just think that. In my opinion, Detroit are going to have every intention of re-signing him, upping his contract next season. I think that Boston are going to be a little bit tentative about giving up too much for a guy that could potentially decide to walk. You know, if a decent offer sheet comes in that Boston don't feel great about matching. And he's going to be walking into a smaller role as well from what he's got in Detroit. So to me, it just doesn't make sense in terms of why would Detroit give that up, considering how well he's played as kind of like a glue guy i personally love him i think he's got the best nickname in the nba anyone that's got the balls to try and fight lebron james who by the way is a behemoth of a man um <laughs> it, it, they're they're a, a okay in my book i really like isaiah stewart hey man be, beef stew 68 250 you know as as greg was bringing up that you know talking about that clip i started replaying it in my head and i don't know about you guys but but bone crusher started playing in my head because he ain't never scared Beef Stew is not scared of LeBron. He does not give a fuck. And so I do love that idea of Isaiah Stewart. But, and, you know, to your to your point, Adam, uh, James Edwards uh, III, I believe, who works for The Athletic, did mention that this is likely not going to happen because the Pistons are pretty high on Isaiah Stewart. And, and I guess around the league, he has a pretty high opinion. And I think he's kind of a perfect backup 
big. Like that's that's kind of how I mm-hmm. view his role. And I will say there is there is a bit of a logjam for the Pistons when it comes to young big men prospects. They have him. They have Marvin Bagley. They have uh, they traded for James Wiseman. They obviously have Jalen Duran, who we talked about during the season that I'm really high on. Like they do have a bit of a logjam there. So to find an avenue, you know, with a guy like Peyton Pritchard who could, you know, maybe fill more of that backup role, I think there's an avenue. I don't know that they'll explore it. You know, I I think that there's an avenue for it, but I do think it's interesting hearing the Celtics come up in some more kind of trade talks to to rework the roster because, you know, as I as I talked about when we were, you know, in the first segment with Brad Beal. Uh, you know, I'm not nearly as concerned about giving Jalen Brown the Supermax. I think it's a pretty easy decision. I don't think, you know, I, I did like the point that I think, I think it was Adam, you brought up that there's the Supermax and there's the Max and you can find a number in between. It doesn't have to be, you know, 35 million or, or whatever that number is. Like you could find a number in the middle. I don't think it's worth, you know, trying to negotiate those couple of million given the fractured relationship after the Kevin Durant, you know, trade rumors. So I, I think for me, it's you give him the Supermax and like you said, two years from now, when Tatum's extension, that's when you're really like, okay, we got to figure out, does this definitively work? But I think you have two years to figure that out. And then I think around that, it's these other supporting pieces, which is why you look to maybe get into the you know Isaiah, Isaiah Stewart game to give you a backup option in case you need to move Rob or in case you need to move Al and you have another big man replacement in there. And, and that's where I think the Celtics are kind of in this interesting position now. And we've heard the last couple of days. Number one, we don't know if Grant Williams is going to be back. I I think it's feeling more and more likely as we hear the Pacers are interested. I think the Pistons might have been part of the rumors of interest. Uh, well, let, let, me, let me jump in there, Will, because it wouldn't yeah. make sense for a beef stew Grant Williams sign and trade, right? If, if we sign Grant to $12 million a year, trading for beef stew, so we're saving seven, $7 million, Grant fits what Detroit's trying to do a little bit because mm-hmm. none of their big men can space the floor. Exactly. Um, is that something that you guys would be interested in? Yeah, I just think that then you have to worry about you back in the same position again next summer with Beef Stew, and you have to be sure that you're going to be able to re-sign him. Well, well, here's the thing, Adam. I think that's kind of the unfortunate reality of this new CBA is that a lot of teams are going to opt for that route of, listen, we, we may not give him an offer. He might not be here long term, but we're going to go try to find proven guys on small sample sizes. So like Isaiah Stewart played two years, you get a year or two out of him. He hits the free agent market and then you let him and then you let him walk and then you worry about securing those big dogs so securing the Jays, securing, you know, right now we have three twenty million dollar guards. I feel like that in some ways in the next year or two is, is going to filter itself out. And so I think that actually might be the approach that the Celtics try to lean into. And we have our three, four guys. And then the goal is going to be how can we cheaply fill in that back end with guys that we know are only going to be here a year or two and. That might be. I mean, I think we're still in, we're still going to play out what this new CBA will look like and what how it will affect roster construction. But I think that could be one of the ways is that you're just finding cheap back end talent, cheap young back end talent to kind of fill in those those rotation spots. Yeah, and I think that makes a load of sense. I do. I will push back a little bit and be like, that's probably going to be any team that's not in the second tax apron, where they have a full MLA, where they can go and sign guys to actual contracts that aren't mm-hmm. vet minimums in free agency. If you're planning on being a second apron team, keeping someone like Isaiah Stewart around, being able to ink him, say he's on 5 million this season, his average annual value through his first contract has been 3.7 mil. So say you can ink him to a 8 million a year deal, 8 to 10, right? 
that's far more beneficial for you for the next four years than letting him walk and replacing him with a Blake Griffin type of vet minimum yeah. guy. So I think that the risk of losing somebody on the first the first off season of the new CBA where even the front offices are still getting to grips with everything because it's the first go round in that new system. That would be something that me personally, I would try to avoid. You'd want a smooth transition next year. So mm-hmm. you understand what you're walking into in 2025. Yeah. And it's funny you bring that up. I was actually texting with my brother earlier today and we were talking about whether or not like it makes sense to keep Jalen Brown, like what, what trades are out there for JB if we didn't want to run into the CBA complications. And one of the things that I brought up, I was just like, man, at one, everybody's dealing with this, right? All, all of the yeah. teams that spend money are dealing with this and everyone's going to figure it out. Eventually, people are going to figure out the loopholes. They're going to figure out the systems. As Will said, is it going to be um, bringing, you know, get getting guys in and churning them out and having a little bit of a revol- revolving like, uh, like, door, like, like running backs in the NFL? Exactly right. Is it, is it going to be more like running backs in the NFL? It's a great way to put it. But like, if you think about saving money and saying on the beef stew versus Grant Williams, if beef stew maxes out at an eight to ten million dollar a year guy, and Grant Williams maxes out at a fifteen to seventeen, right? it probably makes more sense to keep um, beef stew at the eight to 10 over Grant Williams at the 15 to 17, because you're getting, that's guaranteed. And you know what you're getting out of him and Grant Williams at 17, like is, can you allocate that extra $8 million to a guy that you know what you're getting that has a higher ceiling than a Grant Williams, you know? So it's, it's going to be really interesting. And um, I I don't know what's going to happen with, with the CBA, but I know that people are going to figure it out eventually because everybody in the NBA is smart. So, Greg, th- to your point, that to me is why I'm not necessarily as worried about the whole Jalen Brown Supermax thing, because I think right now this roster is is fairly set financially. We're going to be right around or below that that second tax rate, but the goal to be below it, obviously, you know, we're, we're going to be right up against it. That's that's where we're going to be. And that's where most contenders are going to be. That's just going to be that half the life that that you live with. And so I, I think because. When Jalen Brown gets the supermax, which I think will happen at some point this offseason, you know, the Celtics are going to be able to, to a degree, sit back and see and learn from some of the initial mistakes that happen with the immediate reaction to this new CBA because the Celtics don't have to make immediate moves to go sign a guy. We can't sign anybody, really. You know, we can match a grand offer. We may have access to a mid-level exception. But other than that, we can't go make a mistake of a contract right now. We have contracts that are already set in stone that are going to carry us through. And so we're going to be able to see some of the mistakes that happen and then watch the market correct itself to that mid-level class of, of, of you know, players, which I think is going to be the most interesting part is, you know, when we had Keith on, he was saying some guys might end up in positions where they're overpaid because depending on where you're at, you can't aggregate salaries to go get a guy. So sometimes you're going to need a 20 million guy that might not be a 20 million guy just to have that slot to go get somebody. But then on the other side, there, there's going to be contenders where it's like, listen, we're going to be, you know, strapped here. I can only get you 10 million, you know? And so there's going to be guys that might be really closer to a $20 million player that are making 10 million. But I think the Celtics are going to have a vantage point to sit back, watch it kind of filter itself out this off season, a little bit through next year before they really have to hit some hard decisions. And they'll be able to then, to your point, Greg, better evaluate what is the correct value that we can assess for our current team and for players that we want to go get. And speaking of value, a couple, I forget who said it, either you or Adam, someone said like we have three $20 million guards, mm-hmm. right? So speaking of that value, 
I want to transition into the uh, quick conversation about those three guards, right? Do you think that having three $20 million a year guards, Marcus Smart, Derek White, and Malcolm Brogdon is the way to go? Or do you think we need to combine two of those contracts and turn them into one guy that maybe makes 30, 35, that raises the ceiling of the team just a little bit more in terms of um, the offensive punch that's that's missing, whether that's a, a floor general point guard or a, a pure shooter on the floor? Yeah, I mean, for me, pure shooters are an outright no. I don't want to score for like a primary score first high usage point guard. We've seen how that works with Kyrie, seen how it worked with Kemba, although the very first part of the Kemba experiment was actually working quite well before the knee injury. I, I don't think there's much, like when people say they want a true point guard, that doesn't really exist now. So you, you're kind of looking for that hybrid, right? Somebody that can give you four to six assists consistently a night and then go and get you 16 to 22 points a night consistently. If you And they've got good size. They're not going to be hunted defensively. If you can do that, great. If not, then you've got three guys that are like Derek White, in my opinion, is a starting level guard. I think he's probably the best playmaker out of the three of them. Yeah, Marcus if we Smart, traded Derek White, I'd be pissed. Yeah, Marcus Smart's a starting level guard. Malcolm Brogdon's a starting level guard, but you just can't trust his health. I think Smart is the one that's most at risk of just dropping off r- r- randomly and just mm-hmm. not ever going back to where he was just because of the way he plays. And I think Brogdon's the risk of being out for a season after four games for some random injury too. So for that reason, I'd aggregate those two to try and get a better guard. I just don't see where I don't see how you could do that in terms of what other teams going to want yeah. to bring those two it, in. I, it's I a think tough it, combo. No, no, I, I, I was going to say, I, I think the only name that makes sense is Chris Paul, right? If you traded Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon for a Chris Paul, like that's which the name. Is, which, by the way, so. that whole situation's weird of whether or not yeah. he's actually being waived. Was Chris Haynes just wrong? I don't know. I, I was kind of out, out the, the loop the other day, but I was catching up on it. And apparently he might not be waived or I don't know what that is. I think they're waiting be. until the 28th. Which would make sense. It was ridiculous. It was weird that they came out and announced it, you know, as, as early as, as they did. But, you know, I... And like, I agree with you, Adam. I think it's a tough pairing to say, hey, both of these guys and then send them to one location. Phoenix might be that answer. And that's a little bit of when we did our trade segment, you know, for for Bleacher Report a few weeks ago, where it's like, they just need more bodies, right? They 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 need more guys to go around Durant and Booker. So that's a bit of a, a unique situation. For me, it's almost, you know, trying to take maybe one of, and I agree with you, I think with both of you, Derek White, at least for this offseason, he's untradeable. He's untradeable unless there's like some deal that I, you know, like him for Darius Garland or something, something crazy that that doesn't even really make sense. Like he's basically off the table for me in my mind. So when you look at Smart and Brogdon, I actually look to more how do we take the two of them and turn them into two ten million dollar players or some, you know, some some breakdown of of that sense and try to fill you know, multiple needs, once again, looking ahead to kind of the the future of, of roster building and, and how we're going to be able to, you know, have a, enough guys around two players that are going to make potentially, you know, 50, 60 million dollars. And that would be kind of more of where I look to than to consolidate them into one higher, you know, 
higher talent level of a player. Mm-hmm. So uh, that it, would be like the Marcus Smart for uh, Tyus Jones and Aldama type. So, type yeah, so, yeah. Some, some, something in that to that effect. That's kind of where I'd look to where you get one guy that can kind of come in and fill, you know, an immediate void and maybe another guy that is part time but has the ability to be maybe like like just like we're saying, Santi Aldama could be a similar to a beef stew situation where he does play a role for 15, 20 minutes a night but then eventually outplays that contract, but you get him for those, you know, year or two before he hits the open market. So that makes sense. That makes far more sense to me. I also think that people sleep on Tyus Jones, so probably... Love Tyus Jones. Yeah, so slept on. Well, you know what? That was actually going to be probably my answer to our next segment. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back with with our final segment here. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right. So the, the last thing that we wanted to do today and, and the guy that I I mean, I already brought him up on a, on a previous podcast here, but we want to talk about just offseason targets. So sporadically throughout the, the offseason, at least leading up to free agency when it comes to well, with free agency and with trades, I should say, you know, we wanted to kind of highlight just guys that we think are, are good fits, good targets that the Celtics could be looking at or maybe should be looking at. And, you know, Adam, you just talked about Tyus Jones. I don't know what it is, but man, I. I got a hard on for Tyus Jones when it comes to trying to make a trade for him. I I know that's weird to say, but we tried. So a couple weeks ago when we did the Bleacher Report special and we went through making trades, it was you know it was like was like a Ouija board. Every time I was trying to put something into the trade machine, I just kept putting Tyus Jones back in the trade machine. I just kept finding a way to try to get him on the Celtics. I think he you know aside from Chris Paul, as you just said, Greg. He's the guy to me that makes the most sense, unless Chris Paul does get waived, and that could change some things. But I think he's the guy that makes the most sense that actually changes or, or gives us a look at what the Jays could look like with a a different type of guard with them that sets them up, gets them into their spots, as everybody you know wants to talk about, and can be a guy that can can shoot the ball decently and can can get his own shot. We've, we've seen him step up with Ja Morant out numerous times, and the Grizzlies have had tremendous success with him as a starting point guard. So I think for me, that's a guy that that I would look at as as an off season target to keep coming back to. Okay, two two responses there. One of them is a question. First question. I've never actually used a Ouija board. What did you mean by that? So uh, this is a great question because I've actually never, I've never used one either. Uh, so I was kind of going with it in the sense that this is what I believe happens. Wait, hold on. Adam, have you ever used a Ouija board? No. Okay. Well, then this is the worst podcast to discuss how a Ouija board works, but this is how it works. I, I, I want you to explain how you think a Ouija board works. I yeah, think that's so great you're supposed material. to, you're supposed to contact the spirits or whatever. And I actually don't know what, you know, makes people move the the board around to certain uh, the different letters and symbols that are on the board. But it seems like if it, if it, the spirit, you know, using air quotes here, is supposed to be telling you a message. It keeps coming back to the same thing over and over. So for me, in my Ouija board analogy, was Spot Track and the trade machine that I was using kept saying 
Trade for Tyus Jones. Okay. Trade for Tyus <laughs> that Jones. That makes sense. That makes trade sense. Trade for Bradley. No, don't trade for Bradley, but trade for Tyus Jones. So that that was where where my thinking was coming from. I love it. My my second um response is if we get Tyus Jones. I personally wouldn't want him to come in and be the starting point guard of the team. I still would want him to play the six-man role off the bench. Um, personally, I, I don't think he's a starting caliber point guard, but he's like the best backup that you could ever have, and he's the the perfect backup. I don't think that he has the size necessarily to be a starting point guard. He's like basically the same measurements as like a Gabe Vincent. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean? But he's like, a, I think he's a better player than Gabe Vincent is. But um, when you look at what happened to Gabe Vincent in the finals, when you go up against other teams with size, they're going to take advantage of that. They're going to be able to hunt him. So Tyus Jones, if we brought him in, I still would want him coming off the bench, playing that six-man role that he's accustomed to. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think that playing that six-man role is perfect for Tyus Jones. I think that's where he's built his value around the league in the first place. You wouldn't want to really change that. The only good upside is, excuse me, that he's proven he's capable of stepping into a starting role for stretches and not really being a liability. And that's important, right? Like right now, if, say, Malcolm Brogdon misses 10 games, and you need to bring in Peyton Pritchard, you feel very confident because Peyton Pritchard has proven he's not a liability. Next season, if you don't have Pritchard, maybe you have to bring in a J.D. Davison, and now you don't feel very comfortable. And that's the importance of having guards where you can plug and play them in a starting five and feel very, very comfortable with them. I like Tyus Jones as much as Will does, probably, maybe just a little bit less, like without the Ouija board stuff. Um, But with the hard on? No, not with that neither. No, I forgot you said that. To be honest, um, I was gonna. I was gonna say we may have to measure. <laughs> this took a turn. This, a is, this is post Puerto Rico, Will. Oh man, are you talking it's about done. talking about boners and Ouija boards? What did you get up to out there, dude? I might still be drunk. <laughs> Drunk Will is a great Will. Yeah. Drunk Will is a great Will. Yeah. Man, we need to uh, forget the podcast for a moment. We, next time we meet up, we can't end it after like three drinks. We need, we need to get... <laughs> We'd really, have a really proper drink. night. Yeah, we need to. Um, look, man, Tyus Jones, I'd give him a 9 out of 10 in terms of pickup value. I think he'd be one of the best pickups you could get. I'd give him an 8 out of 10 for impact off the bench. And I genuinely believe you could be looking at another six-man of the year season from somebody coming off Boston's bench, unless obviously they decide that Emmanuel quickly is that guy. Yeah, no, I, I, I think no, I think Tyus. Obviously, I'm have an affinity for Tyus Jones, probably too much based on this conversation. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great target here. Adam, give us give us another name. I like so I've been looking at the Pacers because of obviously the the Grant Williams stuff. So I like Chris Duarte. I think mm. that would be a good pickup. Guy loves buzzer beaters against the Celtics. <laughs> I think. <laughs> What's in that cup? Oh, it's it's just water. Trust me. I know. <laughs> this is this is actually me trying to rehydrate. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like Chris Duarte. I don't think it's going to cost you much to get him. You could probably do a sign and trade with Grant, bring Chris Duarte back, and maybe somebody else on top. Uh, Personally, I'd very much like like Benedict Maffarin, but that's never going to happen in a million years. Um, what well, is it the way I said it, or just because it's so egregiously not it's, possible? It, there's just no way. We would no way. Yeah. I mean, I did preface it and say no yeah. way in a million years. <laughs> yeah. But like Chris Duarte makes a lot of sense for me. I think he's a plug and play guy. Could be your seventh or eighth, maybe even ninth guy on off the bench. If he's that deep on your bench, you feel very comfortable about this strength in depth of that team. 
Dude, speaking of the Pacers, you know who I love is Nemhart. If there's a way, yeah. I don't, I, I don't think there's any way they would give up on that Halliburton Nemhart pairing after just one year after you saw what they were able to do. But if they believe that Matherin is the guy, right, and that they think Nemhart is is kind of just like a nice piece, but hey, you know, we he's more expendable than a Matherin because Matherin's ceiling is higher. If the Celtics could somehow figure out a, a way to get Nemhart, I think Nemhart is the type of point guard that could come in and, and run the show. Because he did that in college, and he reminds me a little bit of Derek White. He's got a little bit of Derek White in him, but I think he's a little bit more of a natural point guard than what Derek White is. I really like Nemhard. If the Celtics were able to get him, I'd be pumped. I'd be very happy if they could get Halliburton. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be sweet. Here's a serious question now, just, just throwing it out there. It's never going to happen, so anyone feel free to flip forward about a minute on your podcast feeds. Jaden Brown for Tyrese Halliburton, straight swap, would you do it? Because I'm 100% in. Yes. I mean, I think we talked about this with, with Brendan you know, when we were going over potential Jalen Brown trades a year ago, a year and a half ago, when, you know, whenever the Sabonis trade went down, that that was certainly on the table. I think now it's a far more even deal. So, I mean, I think I would still, I still think that's a really good fit for you know, what we're trying to do with the rest of the team. So I think that would be a deal that I would do. But now it's going to be a lot more even. Whereas at the time with the Kings, it was like Halliburton plus, you know, whether it was, you know, Buddy yeah. Heald or whether it was, you but know. The team, the team that says no is the Pacers. The Pacers don't do that deal. Well, if you say Jaden, yeah, they're never going to say yes. I mean, I'd be throwing Jaden Brown, Grant Williams, Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon. I'll give you Robert Williams. I'll give you Brad Stevens. Look, just give me Halliburton. Well, this, I, I think this trade speaks to, you know, my biggest point with with Jalen Brown is if he's the main supermax guy on your team, you're in trouble. If he's the secondary supermax to complement the true supermax, and it's you know he's an accompanying factor as opposed to the main guy, you're going to be okay with that. But if you're if you're doing this in your your Indiana, and now you're saying, hey, Jalen Brown, we're giving you the keys instead of Tyrese Halliburton, that's when you're going to get yourself in trouble. I think yeah. with this new CBA, and then all of a sudden you're you're back to the Wizards that we started talking about here. Jalen Brown would fit nicely next to Halliburton. Yeah, together, that'd be a great, that'd be a great, that's a great pair. That'd be a great backcourt. Yeah, exactly. What you're saying is you want to trade Jason Tatum for Halliburton. (laughs) Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I don't know. Here's the thing. I'm I'm only doing that if they put Daniel Tyson in the deal. (laughs) It's the only way you're going to get me to commit to Tatum for Halliburton. We got to have, we got to have Tice. We got to have Tice back. All right, Greg, give us, uh, give us your, your name here. That'll be the last one before we wrap up. I'm going to save the name that I had for this pod because I like Nemhart. I just like throwing the name Nemhart out there. Um, I would love for this. If we have, man, if we figured out a way to get Nemhart, I'd be pumped at the end of this, at the end of this off season. Cause I, I really do think that kid has a lot of potential. And I think he's one of those guys that is probably, but like by the end of his first contract, he's going to be looked at as like a $15 million a year guy. Uh, but you might not have to pay him that much money. I feel like he could kind of go under the radar up through his, uh, probably like midway through his second contract. I mean, this is a little bit in the in the Tyus Jones mold, just in the sense that he's he's only he's he was a rookie last year, but he's, only, but he's 23 already. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? He's a little bit older. So to your point, there might not be this incredible lucrative payday just based on his age and the way that he's going to progress. And once again, we're talking about getting guys in that you're going to have, you know, under contract for a couple of years. And so I think Nemhard, you know, he fits that mold of the the type of player, the salary of player, and you know, and having the ability to to, to jump right in. And, and once again, if you're going to change the 
you know, not integrity of the Celtics, but the the core of what this team looks and feels like. This is the one guy we haven't had. We haven't had this type of guy that's gotten consistent rotation minutes that is going to be that team leader point guard set the you know set the offense up like that isn't the type of guy that we've had so i think that's i think that's a great fit and the fact that he's 23 years old i think actually plays into the favor of the celtics that maybe if you can find the right offer to make or if it's the grant williams sign and trade maybe that's the guy you try and you try and poach does anyone else feel like if you trade grant williams or if you lose grant williams he's going to be really hard to replace well i mean that's the other news of the day right Danilo Gallinari opted in to to his contract. He's coming back. I mean, I don't think he, he does. It's not. It's not an exact, you know, replacement. But from shooting and size, there is at least you know that factor with Gallinari. Obviously, he's older and coming off an injury. I think that's a part that a lot of people overlook is that we really don't know what Gallo is gonna gonna look like. Could be a complete bust, you know, when he when he comes back just based on age and injury. Um, but you know, I, I think with with Grant Williams. I think it would be tough to replace, but I think there's options. And I think Gala would be a part of that. And then I think you can find someone else to give you another portion. So I don't think it's the end of the world if Grant's not here. I would like for Grant to be back, but I don't think it's going to be something that we're looking back next season like, damn, if only we had Grant Williams, Mm -hmm. that was the answer. Like I think they'll be able to piece together stuff to be able to to replace. I don't think him leaving will be the core issue why the Celtics don't succeed next season. No, I you, think there will be some. Sorry, Greg. I, I think there will be some games where we're like, "Damn, Grant could have swung this for us." Not in terms of scoring, but in terms of defense, right? Yeah, I mean, as long as it's not free throws at the end of the game, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's okay. Make <laughs> yeah, he just can't tell you if he tells you he's going to make them. That's when you're fucked. Oh man, but so to answer your question, Adam, I'm going to ask you a question, and Will, you a question. Do you think that? Um, Kevin Love could replace Grant Williams. No. Ooh. Okay. Because you know, the well, go ahead, Will. Sorry, I asked the question. Well, no, I mean, I, I don't think I don't. <laughs> thank you for letting me speak for myself here. <laughs> God damn it. No. Um, I mean, I don't Why think he could, fun? but I, but I think this is part of my answer, right? If you bring him in with Gallo, and you know, at least minutes wise, you know, Love's going to be a better rebounder than Gallo is. Like he can actually play a little bit of you know, of, of the five, I think more than even if they expect Gallo to maybe be able to do it. Loves was just doing it, you know, at a, at a pretty decent clip for the heat in certain stretches. So like, I, once again, I think that's to the point of they could find a way if, you know, Kevin Love were a part of that solution. I wasn't expecting you to give me a real answer. I thought you were just going to say no, because <laughs> what, <laughs> what I was actually, gonna, my point was, I think there's a, a world in which Gallo coming back this year is basically what Kevin Love is right now as a player. He's okay. he's just going to stand around the the perimeter. He's not going to be able to really do much else in the right system. He might be able to steal 10 to 15 minutes a game, but he's not going to be an impact guy. And I think Grant can still be an impact guy on a team. I think Gallo, there's a, there's a role for him, but I don't think it's an impact role anymore. Yeah, I mean, I was very vocal when they acquired. Like, I liked the Gallo pickup last season because it filled a direct need. But one of the things that I think got overlooked was people were like, oh, he can play defense, he can play. And I'm like, the last year in Atlanta, he he played no defense whatsoever. The best defense Atlanta And it ain't getting better off an injury. <laughs> he, no, was, he was decent early in his career, but you're right, Adam. Yeah. He stopped playing defense in Atlanta. Just because he's, he's 
lateral movement wasn't there anymore. He didn't have any like dexterity in the hips. That's not a bad thing. I mean, the dude's playing at the point where you know he could walk onto the set of Uncle Drew without needing makeup at this point. Like he, he's getting older. I just think that people, if you're expecting Gallo to come back and give you two-way performances, you're going to be really, really disappointed. Uh, yeah. If you're expecting him to be a catch-and-shoot guy, then you're going to get exactly what you're expecting. Yeah, I mean, if we rank these three guys that we're talking about now, it's Grant Williams is, is far and away the you know the top one out of him, Gallo, and Love. Like that's the guy that's not it's not even a, not even a question. So you know, I, I think Grant leaving, which which actually let's end it on this. Do you so right now? I'm I don't think Grant Williams is back in green. What do you think, Greg? What do you think, Adam? I'll go first. Uh, I think that Grant's gone. The the way that he's out there flirting with Mikhail Bridges, he's you know he he's all over the internet. Has you see this? Wait, what, what, no, what has he done with Mikhail Bridges? I must have missed this. Oh, Mikhail Bridges uh, tweeted at him. He's like, "We need you to come save the city." Um, and then they were seen together. Uh, at, Batman. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, they were seen together at some event or some game, uh, hanging out and having a good time. So Grant Grant is enjoying his free agency as he should, though it is restricted. I'm gonna say he comes back, mainly out of wishful thinking, a <laughs> little bit of hope. Uh, but I also think that you know Grant's super competitive, as we saw against Miami while he was playing for an injury, and if he wants to be able to be competitive when it actually means something, when it actually has an opportunity to end in a championship ring and so forth, then he doesn't, there's not going to be a better option for him than where he is already. Every team that's going to have cap space that can make a real play for him don't have the ability to offer him uh, a guaranteed postseason run. They, you know, they might get you into the first round, you, you know, you might even get into the second, but eventually you're going to come up against Boston. And then it's all going to go to shit for you. So the best thing for Grant in terms of career prospects, in terms of if you really do value winning, does it's it's Boston. But I do think Houston are going to come and just make a ridiculous offer, and he joins in Mayudoka, and they fight yeah. like walruses. I, I think too many of those teams are looking for a <laughs> walrus. Don't you remember that? <laughs> I do remember that actually, with their like fake press conference fight or whatever they had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I think Grant's gonna get a little bit of a payday here. I think it's gonna be too rich for the Celtics' blood. I think too many teams that have money looking for a young veteran with experience, and that's Grant. And I think he's gonna he just he just fits in seamlessly with a lot of the teams. I think can make a play for him. So we'll see. That's all coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Um, for today, that's gonna do it though. Adam and Greg, any any final thoughts here? Sign and trade Grant Williams to the San Antonio Spurs for Romeo Langford. <laughs> Adam had to get his, his Romeo love in here. Uh, but Greg, any, any final thoughts? And then, you know what? You, you've been transitioning us all the way through the podcast. Why don't you transition us out like you always do? Uh, no final thoughts. We're going to have some music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. This is a new release. It is called Questions and Lies. I hope you all, Adam, I hope you've had a chance to listen to it by now. And uh, <laughs> peace, everybody. Sensation replaced
we've designed it to keep ourselves blinded They freed us our rights as if we need reminded Preaching united, but speaking divided Leeching off everything for which we fighting Beat up and blinded, the teachers and rhymers Beacons of reason for those who stay silent We keep on rising till speakers colliding See what we dream of, oh yes we gon' find it and it starts with some questions Hands to the sky like you asking for my blessing I'm wondering why we've been lacking and stressing We all in this bitch, so God, where's the connection? Uh, with the sin I'm professing What good is confession if we always miss the lesson? Be the exception and question their lies I'll show you the answer Just 